0: Welcome to the International Civil Society Centre's Futures and Innovation podcast. I'm Vicky Tung, the Programme Manager for Futures and Innovation here at the centre. Our annual innovation report brings into focus innovations that can benefit international civil society organisations, and also shows in turn how these organisations are benefiting society in challenging or complex contemporary contexts. This podcast episode forms part of our 2020 edition on civil society innovation and urban inclusion, Highlighting how a range of organisations are working in cities around the world to deliver inclusive solutions for whole communities or particularly marginalised or vulnerable groups of residents. In each of these podcast case stories, we really want to lift the lid on these innovations and hear directly from the people at the heart of designing and delivering them. So I'm pleased today to be joined by R.N. Mahanti, the Chief Executive Officer of Sitesavers India. Many thanks for talking to me today, R.N.
1: Thank you so much, Vicky. It's it's a pleasure to talk to you today about our programs. Thank you so much.
0: So as a quick introduction for our listeners, please could you say a bit about who Sightsavers India is and what your experience of urban working is?
1: Okay, so Sightsavers is a global development organization which came to India in uh, 1966. So it's more than 50 years we've been working in India. Our areas of work are eye health, social inclusion, and inclusive education. So eye health is primarily making sure that no one goes needlessly blind. Uh, So that's our primary eye health program. Uh, And people who have already gone blind uh, irreversibly or are visually challenged, we have two other verticals, as I said, which is social inclusion and inclusive education. Inclusive education is for visually impaired children to mainstream them into government schools and make sure that the the classroom transaction with the visually impaired and other disabled children takes place. We work with the teachers on teachers' capacities, and also we work with students with ICT-enabled curriculum and all to make sure that visually impaired and other disabled children learn. And similarly, the social inclusion is primarily for making sure that people are economically empowered and are aware of their legal rights and entitlements. So it's about promoting equality in the society for disabled people. So coming back to Health in India, we work in eight states and in 100 districts. So the states are UP, Bihar, Rajasthan, Chhattisgarh, West Bengal, Jharkhand, Orissa, and Madhya Pradesh. So these are the eight states we work in, and in these eight states, we work in 100 districts and 18 to 20 cities. So our eye health program is primarily into four areas of work. One, we call it as the National Rural Eye Health Program, where we do a comprehensive eye care services for rural poor. And the second one, which we will talk about today, is called the National Urban Eye Health Program. This is the program where we work in 18 to 20 cities in India. And the third one is school eye health program, where we specifically address the eye care needs of children in the government schools, primarily in the government schools. And the fourth one is a very interesting one, which is eye care for truck drivers. So we call it National Truckers Program. So we we screen truckers on the national highways and corridors of India, North, South corridor, East, West corridor, the Golden Quadrilateral. These are the areas we we kind of catch the truckers and then screen them because we found uh, close to 47% of the truck drivers in India have eye problems. And we kind of uh, work with them for giving them spectacles and making sure that spectacles are used by them. These are primarily the four eye health programs that Service India works in. And uh, one of the important ones is Urban Eye Health, which works for urban poor. And that is the one we are going to talk about today.
0: Thanks, RN. But I think it's really useful for everyone to see the full scale of the work that you're, that you're doing there. So coming to the Urban Eye Health Programme, what are the big ideas behind this and what you're trying to achieve?
1: OK, so one of the things uh, that we are trying to do is to work with the urban poor. So this is a vulnerable group. As you know, in India, the urban cities are full of slums, both listed slums and unlisted slums. And service delivery is an issue there. Uh, one, there are extremely uh, you know floating migrant population which, which come and go. And secondly, uh, while in cities the services are available, but for urban poor it is not something that they can afford. And there is a big issue around awareness of the program. And while you can see a lot of issues coming for the general health issues and the general health seeking behavior amongst urban poor is not correct, particularly when you talk about eye health, it's even worse. So this is what we are trying to do in terms of making sure that in the case of urban poor, primary eye care is integrated into primary health. This is what is the big uh, mission that we have behind creating the national urban eye health program. So how do we make sure eye health is taken as seriously as any other health and gets integrated into the urban health program? So, Government of India has started a National Urban Health Mission, which is called NUHM, in each of these cities. Our program and the NUHM almost started uh, at the same time. So, we thought this is a good opportunity for Site Service India to make sure that uh, eye health is integrated into healthcare through this particular program of Government of India, which is National Urban Health Mission. And that is where we kind of found success in Patna in Pihar.
0: Could you then tell us a bit more about the context in specifically in the city of Patna and what you were working with there, please?
1: Okay, so Patna is the capital of uh, a state called Bihar. I said Bihar is one of our priority states, one of these eight states that we work in. And in in Patna, uh, we started our urban eye health program. So we have a program framework and we we have a, a kind of activities that we do but one of the things that when we start with is we, we do it with, you know, generally we started this with some private eye health organizations like, you know, city-based hospitals and all, and with them we started. The idea was to make sure that we set up vision centers in urban slums for a group of urban poor. And then gradually work with government and move these facilities to the government PSS, which is primary health centers, which is part of the NUHM program. So they call it UPSC urban private health centers. Currently, you know, based on our last uh, couple of years work, we have now moved all our eye care facilities to 23 UPSCs of government of Bihar in the Patna city. So what I mean by that is that we don't work with any private center now. So gradually we started with our work with our private players, made sure that the centers are established, made sure that, you know, eye health is known as a requirement. People who need eye health services will come to this particular center. But over a period of time, gradually integrated into the government system. So moved all these private optometrists and all to government centers. They started working from there. And Nuhm National Urban Health Mission has a cadre called MAS. They are called Mahila Arogya Samiti in Hindi, which is a group of women who actually go around and talk about health to the urban poor. And if you look at the mandate of this, in the list of health activities that they do, eye health was not part. of it. So it was more about general health, maternal and child health, and those kind of things. So we we worked hard with the government to make sure. This is integrated, like I was telling you in the beginning that how do we integrated eye health into primary health. So this is what is a group of people we thought is the best platform for us to integrate this. So we worked with them, trained them on eye health, and made sure when they are out in the field going from house to house, they talk about eye health. If you have an issue, please come and know get it checked here. So issues around cataract, issues around glaucoma, issues around diabetic retinopathy, All of these things started coming out uh, when they came to the centers and started getting their eyes checked. So from the supply side, what we did is we worked with the government UPSCs, made sure there is an optometrist in these government centers. And on the mobilization side, we we made sure that these mass groups, they talk about it and then they make sure they drive patients, they drive eye health uh, seekers to this particular center where health services are provided. So this is how getting to set up a system within the government system and making sure the government community mobilisation processes are effective in terms of talking about health and driving those demands to the UPSC. So that is how we did from a supply and the demand side of things.
0: Thanks, Aaron. I think you've already answered my next question as well, which is going to be how you've transformed the system. But I think you've already explained that really well. Um, in terms of the other stakeholders that you've worked with and how you've worked with government stakeholders as well, is there anything that you'd like to share about that?
1: Yes, like I said, if you look at any, any health indicators of Bihar or any health indicators uh, in Patna, so you'll see you know, infant mortality rates, maternal mortality rates, um, under five deaths, uh, malnutrition and all, you, you won't really see... The, the blindness issues or eye health issues so so that was the big work that we wanted to do with government making sure uh, that this is also something that we want you to look at and the the only way to get this done is to show them something and we can't just go and advocate so please please include this as an indicator and you know nothing will happen So what we did is we demonstrated we said this is what is possible you know close to three thousand people are now, in a month coming to show their eyes and get their eyes checked up, which was not there earlier. And once it came, you know, what what are your cataract surgery load? You know, what are your, you know, refractive error load of the city? So government also gradually in the process, working with us, realized that, okay, yeah, this is an important area. This is an important indicator. And I I remember the, the Secretary of Health was very keen to make sure that he gets the report every week now. So once that happened, then you know the system got activated, and then now if you if you come to partner, you'll see all 23 centers having eye care facilities, having an optometrist there checking people, and then referring them to you know the next steps. If if they're di- diagnosed with cataract, we'll do a free cataract surgery. If they have you know diabetic retinopathy, we we shift them to we refer them to RIOS where the treatment takes place. So we 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 have created this system and therefore people have now started particularly government is asking about the indicators saying that tell me what is the blindness rate now and what what is how many cataract surgeries you have done out of this center so those kind of questions once it gets questioned every month in the in the monthly review agendas and all automatically things get geared up and then they, they start working so that that's a huge success in terms of how sight service india uh, government of bihar and the local stakeholders like you know the local partners communities uh, you know village heads urban and urban some some uh, you know leaders how all of them came together to make sure that th- this is this happens and then people automatically go to a, a urban primary health center. because we found in our uh, work and you know all the reflections we have done from our reports that people generally they the urban poor they go to upscs for their normal day-to-day health-related issues. And so why not make sure that that is where the eye care facilities are available. When we started, we were in moving here and there with smaller vision centers here and there. But then we realized that this is how it, it should work. This is how you can make this sustainable. I know by saying this, I will answer some of your, your last questions. Going forward in our next five-year strategy in all our urban health programs, we are saying this is what we will do. We will make sure that our work happens with government UPSs, even if we start with some private vision centers, but we will eventually move it to government centers, make sure government makes provisions and budgetary provisions for these eye health personnel, and then makes it sustainable and we will withdraw. We'll go to another city. That's what we are planning to do.
0: That's great. And I am going to ask you more about that later, but it's great to hear this level of government, active government interest as well. I also just wanted to ask you, what do these changes look like at the community level and what are the outcomes that you're seeing?
1: Yes, this is too early to talk about it, but I must say one thing. One is the health-seeking behaviour with regard to eye health has improved, definitely. One, because someone is going now and talking about it. Can't you see properly? If you can't see properly, uh, please make sure that you go and see. There is a provision. Even your surgeries will be done or if you need a pair of spectacles that will be done. So that kind of awareness and health-seeking behavior has improved. That was a tendency to neglect Ayat, saying that this can wait. So we are now making sure you this, this really doesn't have to wait. It's very nearby, go and do it. So that kind of, when I make my field visits to urban cities, I, I see that happening, saying that, oh, you know, it's not an issue, we'll go. And people go, and that's why you see the numbers. So how, how it has gone. And, Even post-COVID, I shouldn't say post-COVID, but if you say now, it still has gone back to, you know, kind of numbers have gone back to January, February numbers, very closer to that. We are still behind this. But that kind of thing for eye health is remarkable. At the community level, I see a change. I see a positive change in terms of health-seeking behavior and awareness and the fact that I should not neglect eyes.
0: Thanks. And just reflecting a bit about COVID-19 over the past few months, what kind of impact has this had on the program and how have you had to respond or change some of your priorities?
1: Yes, March, April, this this was bad and, you know, everything was closed. So we couldn't do much other than some of our partners talking to the, the slum dwellers about COVID-19 and the safety-related stuff and, and all of that. And the first few months went on the larger covid responses Uh, may onwards government opened the centers people started coming they maintained social uh, distancing they wore masks there were other components like some of the self-help groups started supplying masks to urban slums and then they came and then we we made sure that all the safety protocols are followed and you see gradually by july august uh, it has gone back to close to 3000 numbers so It started and it happened, even though as of now, during this time, this is slightly lagging behind in terms of eye health, but I'm sure things are on its way to normal
0: You're listening to the International Civil Society Centre's Futures and Innovation Podcast. This episode is part of our 2020 Innovation Report on Civil Society Innovation and Urban Inclusion now to the kind of innovation dimensions that we're looking at in the case studies across the report, starting with disruption, but then also looking at scalability, some of which you've just hinted at. So starting with how this is like a system level disruption, it's the first of its kind of in India, and the government of India has acknowledged that. Could you talk a bit about the kind of system disruption and then reflect a bit on the disruption for SightSavers as an organization and also how it's challenging you internally to do things differently, please?
1: Right, I mean, one of, one of the things uh, the, the innovation is this is something that we thought if we crack this here with the mass, which I'm saying the Mahila Arogya Samiti group, and this is probably the best way to dent in terms of your demand generation processes, rather than reinventing the wheel and then making sure you, you have other health activists will go and work on this. Why not make sure this particular group, which is available, a cadre of people who are available by the government of Bihar, why not? make use of them and then start training them so this this is something which actually to me paid off and then when the eye health system related stuff the supply related stuff started working in the in the centers and then government of bihar particularly the urban health mission staff started noticing this. so here is something that we can actually add to our list of things in terms of deliverables in terms of achievements and then suddenly, I mean, I, I remember government of Bihar, there is a government of Bihar staff writing about it. There's something that oh, this is what is a partnership with service actually has shown us that this is how a new thing can be integrated into the system. So it's not a big digital or technological innovation, but it's it's an innovation that actually resolved the issue, which to me is the real definition of any innovation. Doesn't have to be really a big technology coming in and doing something. We didn't do anything fashionable in that sense. A small innovation, but hitting the right notes with the government of India, government of Bihar. And then you know, government of Bihar now started to scale it up in all, all cities. They have issued notices saying that how do we do this? Can you you become our technology partners? You become our technical partner to make sure that this happens. And internally also the same thing. Oh, we suddenly saw. We were doing 20 things, but we saw probably five things give us 80% of the results. So do those five things in all cities. Don't do 20 things. We also learned along the way. So that's what Patna is for us. So we are saying, what, what are you going to do this? Oh, we'll do Patna model. We are not now talking a lot about programs. So just go and copy Patna model in Bhubaneswar. Do the Patna model in Nasik. Do the Patna model in Agra. This is what we are trying to.
0: Thanks, Rn, And that's what we're seeing with some of the other case studies as well. It's understanding the whole system and the small leverage points where you can plug in and really use that to change the whole system. And this is another really good example of that. So now you've talked about it a bit already, but what are your scaling plans?
1: We are scaling up in all our eight cities and you know, other 18 cities that we're working. We are picking up some new cities. So we are trying to make sure that our government setup and a mobile van are the two things which will sort out urban eye health program. This is what we are trying to design that. And then, uh, you know, people who can't come slightly in the inaccessible areas and all uh, a mobile van will actually reach out to them, which is linked to the government hospital and will probably carry supplies in terms of spectacles and all ready to clip spectacles. We are working with SLR to make sure that those spectacles are available. And so these are the two combination of these two things. We are going to take this to all 20 cities. Uh, but the primary focus is to make sure that these things are sustainable through the government setup. We don't want to create a parallel system by which, you know, once the funding support is withdrawn, and then that falls apart. So we are trying to make sure that government takes it up. We show them we, we made sure that this works and then government makes provisions uh, both in terms of human resources, budgetary provisions to make sure that this works once that happens we withdraw and it happens so that that's the plan and you know has given us a, a great kind of legends we are almost successful in working with kolkata municipal corporations so we are moving our centers in kolkata to kolkata municipal corporations so exactly similar model with calcutta municipal corporations we have started working in jaipur in rajasthan moving them to urban PSCs. we have started this work in orissa so we we are just going one by one after the partner success so we we have now vicky understood what are the five things we will do out of 20 We will not do 20 now.
0: but it sounds like it's been a real game changer and also you're able to move really quickly now through that partnership but also you have a clear idea of sustainability and your exit plan as well at the end of at the end of this process
1: Absolutely, absolutely yes
0: So what lessons do you think there are from your experience that you you can draw to share with other organizations working and innovating and maybe trying to find 20 things, but then the five within that, and they can learn from your experiences?
1: I know many of them are doing similar things, but one, one, one or two things that I have learned is that don't create anything parallel. It's very difficult to sustain. So make sure the sooner you move to a mainstream system, the chances of making it sustainable is small and particularly with government this is this is the biggest learning that you know i know it's difficult it's always easy to go with a private player open something do it because you think the control is completely with you but it's also equally important that when you are not there that works so therefore our work with government is given us this particular learning that i know go and integrate your things, your ideas, your initiatives with the government ideas and make sure that you demonstrate something. And then government is the best player to scale up. I can't go to all cities of Bihar. I know that as side service, but they can go. They have all everything there. They just have to make sure that things are activated and you you play the role of a technical partner to government. So that's something that I think we are doing. And, and nowadays, pilots and scale up and wait for the success of pilots, those things are something which which is not really working. You need to make sure that if you're starting something, start with the complete city, 23 centers, learn, make sure in two three years time that works and then you know scale it up to all the cities of the state. The biggest learning that I have is that there are 10 activities, there are 10 interventions to you know when you design a program, but how quickly you will learn that which ones are making the impact? So it may not have 100% impact, but if five of these, as I said, make 80% of the impact, go ahead and do that.
0: And do you find that there's an important horizontal aspect between the states that you're supporting as well, in terms of their now other states are seeing what's happening in Bihar, and are you having to kind of like negotiate that networking, that peer-to-peer networking as well? We,
1: we do that, and unfortunately, because of COVID. But we do a lot of cross-visits of government staff for our regular program. If there is anything uh, great happening in a rural eye health program, then we do it. If there is something great happening in the school, we do it. Many, many of our cross state programs earlier have been for seeing the truckers program on, on, on the national highways. How does that work? We have open centers on the highways. So how does that work? There again, we are working with government, the national government, transport, and all uh, the ministry of transport is working with us. So... Those are the things that we do. So, but unfortunately, we, we will have to make sure that this cross-learning between different states and uh, the, the urban uh, health mission staff amongst different states happen. We are planning to do that, definitely. But that, that's something we regularly do and make sure that you know, this cross-learning happens in all these eight states.
0: Thanks, RN. So finally, anything else you'd like to share about the future or your plans or how we can keep in touch
1: We're just embarking on a next five-year strategy. Uh, A lot of it is eye health oriented. We are trying to make sure that we create high-impact districts where the the prevalence of blindness uh, fall below 0.2. That's what is our plan for the next five years. Uh, As I said, uh, we have uh, big plans for urban eye health where we want to work very closely with government and move all our centers to government centers and making sure urban poor a benefit out of this program. So a lot of plans and uh, we'd love to keep in touch with you.
0: Yes, we'll check in and see how you're getting on because it's fantastic and it sounds like you're going very quickly as well. So thanks so much for sharing. This is great for us to hear, for me to learn about and for our audiences to hear as well. So thank you for your time.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You can find links to more information and resources on both this innovation case study and the Centre's 2020 Civil Society Innovation and Urban Inclusion Report, in the podcast description. Many thanks to our producer, Julia Pazos, for all your hard work in making this podcast series happen. This podcast is kindly supported by the Konrad Adenauer Stiftung and its Strong Cities 2030 initiative, promoting global collaboration and knowledge sharing for sustainable urban development.